Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the gospel. You brought your Bibles or you have your smartphone or your tablet, you'll find Philippians chapter 3. As I welcome you to the home, the new home of the Mission Church. This obviously is the first of many worship gatherings to come. Because it's our first, it's important that we set our expectations moving in the right direction. And that's what today's message is all about. Setting our expectations moving in the right direction as the mission church. Philippians chapter 3. As you're finding Philippians 3, let me just set the context for the passage that I will be reading in just a few moments. First of all, understand that Philippians is a letter. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to the church in Philippi, and he starts his letter off as a thank you. He wants to thank them because they have been instrumental in, in meeting his needs and his ministry's needs as he's been going about Asia Minor spreading the gospel. And so whereas he kind of wanted to thank them, and that was really what was on his heart and mind. It seems the Holy Spirit had more to say to the Philippian believers and more to say to the universal church as a whole than just thank you. And so the Spirit of God moves upon Paul to write about some other things, not the least of which is unity. You know, it seems that within the body of believers there in Philippi, there, um, there were some spiritual brothers and sisters who were at odds with one another. Imagine that. And this friction of relationship was detrimental to the spread of the gospel. And let me just say that friction among believers is always detrimental to the spread of the gospel. Because the gospel is all about forgiveness. It's all about love. It's all about unity. It's about togetherness. It's about relationship. And when we are at odds with one another, then we are not showing forth the gospel. And so Paul exhorts them to humility. He exhorts them to humility, to be of like mind, to have the same love, to have the same agreement among themselves. And from this beginning of the letter, he launches into a teaching on the humility of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 16, I'm not going to read it, but you may recall that this is where we learn how Jesus humbled himself. How that he did not cling to his rights as God, but, but he willingly laid them aside. Not laying aside his deity, but laying aside the independent use of his attributes as God. And he took on full humanity. And he became the sacrifice for sin. What a, what a powerful truth that is. And after lifting up Jesus as the example of humility, he then offers himself as an example. And Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples to follow as well. And then we come to chapter 3. In chapter 3, Paul warns the church about people who, who present themselves as examples to follow but, but are not examples. And they're not examples because they are people who are walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. And Paul knows a little something about walking in the flesh and not in the spirit because there was a time in Paul's life when his name was Saul where that's exactly what he did. He walked in the flesh. In fact, by the power of his own will, Paul pursued a path of self-perfection. And when you read verses 4 through 6 of, of chapter 3, you find that he really didn't do too bad of a job at it. Among his peers, Paul, then Saul, was, was almost blameless. He was recognized by all as, as an example of Pharisaic Judaism. But then something happened in his life. Something quite 
miraculous. Acts chapter 9 tells us that on his way to persecute some of the disciples of Jesus, he had his own personal encounter with Jesus. And the man who once was a persecutor of the church and a persecutor of Christ became one of Jesus' most devoted followers. At this point, we find that Paul, um, his life became a B.C., A.C. reality. B.C., before Christ. Before Christ, Paul had, had many religious successes, especially in the eyes of men. Yet when you look through the lens of a relationship with Jesus, all of the attainments that he had been able to garner to himself were of no value at all. In fact, he tells us they were worthless. Verse 7 of chapter 3. He says, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. But then there is AC. There is Paul after Christ had entered his life. And after Christ had entered Paul's life, his life became centered on one single goal. And that one single goal was to know Christ and to be conformed to his image. Look with me at verses 8 through 10. He says, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. Actually, the word there is dung. Yeah, I'll just leave it there. I count them as dung. All of these accomplishments, all of these good things from the past, I count them as Dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. Notice this, he's telling us what his new new life is all about, my new life in Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. To know Christ, to be conformed to the image of his death to sin and resurrection to life. After Christ entered his life, this became the singular goal of living. Now, why do I share all that with you this morning? I share that with you because it is important for you to understand the context of the passage I am about to read which is the text for today's message. If I just read it to you, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. You really wouldn't understand where it's coming from, but but understanding Paul's past, understanding his B.C. and A.C. life, then when I read this passage, perhaps it begins to click and we begin to understand what's going on. So today's passage is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. And with Paul's life goal of knowing Christ and being conformed to his image, take note of these important words. Not that I have already obtained this. I have not yet obtained knowing Christ perfectly. I have not yet been conformed fully to his image. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect because I am not. But I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way. Like Paul, the mission church has a goal. We call it our mission and vision. 
Our mission is loving God by loving others, helping them to become fully functioning followers of Christ. Our vision is to establish a growing body of believers in Urbandale, Iowa, that embrace and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ to the end of making healthy, maturing followers of Jesus across generational, gender, and racial lines. Like Paul, the attainment of our goal is in no way automatic. He understood that the attainment of his goal of knowing Christ and being conformed to his image was not automatic. And we must understand that that same goal for us, knowing Christ and being conformed to his image and our mission and our vision as a church is not automatic. Unless, unless we are purposeful, intentional, focused, and determined, there are many good things that can and will distract us and take us off the path of our God-given mission and vision. So on this first Sunday as the Mission Church, I, I want to lay before us the Holy Spirit-inspired principles that paved the way for Paul and will pave the way for us to continually make progress in our goal of making disciples of Jesus Christ. There are two primary things that I want us to catch this morning before we call this first worship gathering to a close. And that first thing that I want us to grasp is that we must have a right perspective of the past. We must have a right perspective of the past. Everybody has a past. There are no exceptions. And in our past, there are both positive and negative things. There are both successes and failures. In verse 5, verses 5 through 7, Paul listed some of his. Interestingly, like most people, he emphasizes the positive to the exclusion, really, of any negative, at least from his point of view. But I invite you to take a moment and to think about your past, your personal past. If you'll look at the note guide you got this morning when you came in, hopefully there was enough for everybody. If not, we'll rectify that next Sunday. But there's a little, you know, box there drawn, and it's blank. And I left it blank for you right now to take a few moments to write one or two things from your life, from the past, that were positive. One or two things from the past that were not positive. I'm going to pause to get a drink of water. You write on your note guide. You can't write if you're looking at me. What is something from your past that you'd say, hmm, that wasn't so good? What is something from your past that you would say, hey, this is something to rejoice about? One of my successes comes in the area of education. When I was growing up, I had attention deficit disorder. Nobody knew what that was in the 60s and early 70s, at least not in West Virginia. I guess all West Virginians were just like that. I'm not quite sure. Rita, where's Rita? She knows, yeah. Jim Bales knows. Uh, I basically, for all practical purposes, failed the ninth grade. But they didn't hold me back. They actually let me, because I changed from the public school to a private school, and somehow I got out from under having to repeat it, and they let me in the 10th grade. But I entered the 10th grade, no joke, with a 5th grade level of reading. 
Yet despite the fact that I had so many unpositive things against me, I was able to graduate high school and within maybe about 10, 12 years was able to go back to college and finish and graduate and I even earned a master's degree. Now that, in my opinion, is really positive. Yeah, woohoo! I've even got a big old certificate in my office to hang on the wall that shows I did that. That's just one of the positives. And there's not that many positives. There's a whole lot more negatives in my life. And because I'm like the average guy, I don't want to air all my dirty laundry up here on the first day of the mission church. So I'll just tell you that my my failures far exceed my successes. And I have failures across the board of life. In every area of life. But I want you to note what Paul says about the past. He says, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Whether we're talking about success or failure, the right perspective of the past, write it down, is that it is the past. It's water under the bridge. We must not try to relive the glories of the past, nor should we allow ourselves to be defeated by the miseries of the past. So much has been written about churches. What makes them grow, what makes them falter. And most always, when you read a church book, a book about church growth, somewhere in there, the author will write about the problem of an unhealthy perspective of the past. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Bridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.